And the most common feeling for mum is just constant failure. You know, I'm failing as a mother. I'm failing in my job. I haven't lost my baby weight. I'm constantly exhausted. I look 10 years older. Like all of this is just It's you all at the same time. All at the same time. And this is the person who we're then expecting to make this incredibly huge financial decision. One of the biggest purchases. Welcome Getting There fans, I'm your host Alejandro Garcia Maya. Approximately half of the 12 million infants and toddlers in the United States are regularly under non-parental care. 93% of those 6 million children under the age of 3 are in care that is low to mediocre quality. How can we improve substandard care to ensure strong development in our children? On today's show we have Rachel Carell. CEO and founder of Kuro Kids, a company committed to creating better childcare options for parents. In this episode, Rachel and I go over the challenges of modern day childcare and answer questions such as, what are the challenges parents are facing? How can families find quality care? How does childcare affect early childhood development? And much more, join us in our conversation. Let's do this. What does success mean to you? I think for me, success means achieving my mission, which is all about building the world's best childcare service and also bringing up a great family. I have cut out pretty much everything else from my life other than those things. So where did you grow up? Where are you originally from? I'm from New Zealand and I'm from this very small sheep farming town um, at the very bottom of New Zealand. So it's a little place called Invercargill and uh, where I grew up, pretty much all my friends came off farms. So I was kind of unusual in my group of friends because I was the only one that didn't come off a farm. What did you study? What's your professional Uh, background? I'd spent a very long time at university. I went to my local university first and I studied there linguistics and politics. Was always very interested in the arts, loved language and very interested in kind of the practical realities of change in the world, which is why I loved politics. And then I I worked very hard and was very lucky to win a scholarship to go to Oxford. And that was kind of my ticket. There's no way at all I would ever have managed to go to a great world university unless I'd won a full scholarship. And that was my total dream um, to do that. So I went to Oxford and I did a master's there in international development. And then I did a doctorate also in international development. So I I was at university for a very long time. So I'm going to share a couple facts and you're welcome to add, share your thoughts to any of them. According to 0through3.org, of the 12 million infants and toddlers in the United States, more than half spend some or all of their day being cared for by someone other than their parents. So I think it's just an illustration of how important it is to be able to have someone be able to take care of your kids because many people... Yeah, of course. Here's the second one. In 28 states and Washington, D.C., center-based childcare for infants and toddlers is more expensive than in-state tuition and fees at a public university. So according to a 2015 care.com report, year over year, it's the largest annual household expense. And that care in expensive cities like New York shows families paying 25000 30000 per child per year. Not only many people need it, but it's extremely expensive. It's insane, right? And because you, you hear this, this whole kind of cultural narrative around like saving for college, right? 
and, you know, putting money away like over a long period of time to allow someone to go to university. And um, like childcare is more expensive. It's insane. You, you just don't think about it. It's Saving for college and childcare at the same yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. You hear about grandmothers kind of giving the newborn baby some money for their college tuition. No, 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 no. Like for next year is when they're going to need it. No, it's wow, crazy. That is and, crazy. Uh, I mean, there's, I can tell you some UK stats, UK working families spend more on childcare than they do on their mortgage. So it is exactly the same sort of stat that you just said. This is a huge amount of money. And one of the things that most surprised me when I first started working on this and founded Cora Kids is that you have this enormous amount of spend, which is incredibly emotionally important. It's a very emotionally difficult spend. It's wrapped up in all sorts of things about guilt and your, you as a human being and your relationships and your, how you were brought up. I mean, there's a lot going on when you're choosing childcare for your kid. And then financially, it's incredibly important. And yet, no one is really innovating in this area. It just blew my mind. When I first started noticing all these problems in the childcare market, my first instinct was, okay, well, who's solving this? I'll go and join them. You know, I want to devote my life to solving this problem. And I looked around and at least in the UK at the time, there was just absolutely no one doing it. For the size of problem it is and for the amount of money it is, it's like not nearly enough focus on it. What is Coro Kids? And as you share this, I'm super curious about what is the difference between nannies and au pairs and There's a number of words out there and it would be great if you can break yeah. it down. So basically au pair is somewhat young person, often from Europe, not always, who comes and lives with you and looks after your kids for a few hours a day. And the reason they're doing it, the actual core of the definition is they're doing it for a cultural experience. In the UK, you have a special visa, which is an au pair visa. They're actually not employees. Mm. So that's an au pair. A nanny could be a professional person who's been doing this for 30 years. It's their job. It's their profession. They're not there for a cultural experience. They're probably qualified. They don't actually have to be. They probably are. And then daycare is, is a physical place that you go to. Um, to make things more confusing in the UK, there are different words for many of these things, but that's kind of the hard. <laughs> and so what Cora Kids does is we recruit and train nannies. We match them and then we manage them. It's what we call a full stack service. So we also do payments and payroll. If a pension is required, we do the pension. So we try to, to provide an entire end-to-end -end service. And then one of the really cool things we do, that we allow uh, families to share their nannies. And this is really getting into the cost element. There's a lot of reasons why nanny care is amazing. Wonderful nannies can be incredibly experienced, wise, comforting, qualified, really flexible. They work great with people who work long hours, but they are extremely expensive. So the way we bring down the cost is we have two families that have their children looked after together by the same nanny. So what this looks like is you and I were sharing the nanny. Maybe the nanny goes to your house first in the morning, picks up your kid, goes along the block to my house, and then our kids get to be looked after together during the day, which is actually amazing for the kids. There's loads of research showing that there are incredible developmental benefits for children mm. growing up together and interacting. It's really social. It's great for their cognitive and linguistic development. So this is, this is just a beautiful thing. So the parents pay less, the nanny gets paid more, and the children get to hang out together. Just quite recently launched a tool to help families find each other to do this. And we've launched it as a free tool. So if you Google Koru Kids Nanny Share, then you can find it. Very cool. What spurred the idea to create Koro Kids? My first daughter, I had her five years ago, and I was working in health tech at the time. 
trying to understand healthcare systems and improve them for a long time. And then when I had my baby, I just assumed that there would be a system for me to seamlessly transition into and then resume my my old self. And it was like running into a wall, realizing that there was no system. I had traveled through blissfully thinking, well, this is just how it works. You go to university, you work hard, you get a job, you work hard, you know, you kind of gradually move up the career ladder, you have a baby, you take a little bit of time off, you come back, you continue to work hard. I I kind of had this idea and it was like I'd run into a wall. And so at that stage, I that's when I looked around and tried to figure out who was working on this problem. I felt really passionate about it, not just because of my own experience. I saw this problem playing out among my friends in so many different ways. It was like a hundred stories of a hundred different ways in which the childcare system was broken. So I had friends who moved out of London to be near their family, even though they didn't actually want to move out of London, but they had to. And I had other friends who didn't have another kid because they couldn't afford it, even though they really wanted another kid because it's specifically because of childcare. I had many friends who wanted to continue their career and then couldn't. And for some of those, it happened immediately. And for others, they thought they would take four years out, five years out, and they thought they would get back into it. And then they thought that there would be an after-school service that would exist and help them do this, and there wasn't. So I just saw so many flavors of this problem. And uh, I just thought someone has to do something. What are some of the things for those that don't have a kids, and maybe they will in the future, they're deciding to, what are some of the things that were new to you as you came across this that were yeah. pain points? So we've already discussed the cost. In central London, the cost of a nanny is on average is £37,000. That means you need to be earning about over £50,000 in pre-tax income just to afford your nanny. And to put that in context, the average wage is roughly about £30,000. So hmm. it's just completely doesn't work, even if you can somehow get around that The emotional complexity of solving this problem is enormous. And usually when you ask people to describe their childcare, you don't get a short answer, you get a very long answer. You know, people will say, well, on Mondays it's this, on Tuesdays it's this, you know, in the holidays it's this, before school, sometimes my husband drops them off and then my neighbor does it. And anyway, you get this very long answer. And what looks like is a mom lying in her bed at 11 o'clock at night, WhatsApping her friends saying, does anyone know a good babysitter? And that's bad enough, but you have to put it in context of what else is going on in your life at that moment. Like, let's say you have a two-year-old. Often, if you've got a two-year-old, your two-year-old is is not sleeping regularly through the night, reliably, and that has now been going on for two years. So you have two years of cumulative sleep deprivation, right? (laughs) You've gone back to work and you now, whereas you used to be able to kind of take that late meeting or something, now you can't. You have to rush back and look after your kid. You're feeling inadequate at work. You're hardly present. You're, so, you're just completely exhausted all the time. Maybe your spouse is still sleeping in a different room or on the couch or something. This is the context of this incredibly squeezed person. And the most common feeling for mom is just constant failure. You know, I'm failing as a mother. I'm failing in my job. I haven't lost my baby weight. I'm constantly exhausted. I look 10 years older. Like all of this is just It's you all at the same time. All at the same time. And this is the person who we're then expecting to make this incredibly huge financial decision. One of the biggest purchases. We're expecting her to navigate through this very complex like landscape where she's patching everything together. And it's all constantly changing. Anyway, so there's just so many things that so many reasons you are incredibly vulnerable at this stage. The connecting parents with nannies, 
What does the experience look like in the perspective of each user? So for the nannies, what happens is they apply on our website, they're interviewed, they are criminal background checked, they have training, which is a combination of a bit of online, a bit of they do phone calls and stuff just to check that they're good on the phone. And then they come in and do first aid training, which is in, in person. They do with mannequins, CPR and that sort of thing. Wow. Yep. And then they get matched. They go out to an interview. They meet the family. And depending on which family they decide and the family decides mutual decision, they get matched with them. They then report their hours uh, on an ongoing basis to us. And one of the things I'm really excited about is we're developing more ongoing training. So, for example, cooking came up as a oh. common theme of feedback for nannies. Yeah, cooking is extremely trainable. Like cooking for kids can be the easiest cooking in the world. What does then the experience look like for the parent? So for the parents, it's kind of the mirror. They log on, they give us their details. Let's imagine they, they want to do a nanny share because that's the kind of more interesting one. So they log on to our family finder. They create a little profile saying we want to start roughly on this date. I've got one child and we get them to indicate, they choose from a list their favorite three values that they want for their kids. So things like kindness, resilience, there's a list of values and they indicate some of those, create a little bio for themselves and then they can see other families that are near them. And then they can message them and decide whether or not they want to go ahead with a nanny share. One of the things that we're also developing now is the ability to do this for schools. The after-school time can be very tough. It's extremely hard to find a nanny for after-school because it's only like three hours. What's really cool is you can come onto our family finder and indicate what school your kid goes to. And then you can log on and see other families that also have kids at that same school. And then it's kind of like a play date, except it's a play date every day. After school, it's a bit challenging to find a nanny. And it's because most nannies, it doesn't economically make sense for them to do it for such a short period of time. Yeah, exactly. So if you're a professional nanny, you're not going to take an after school job. Because if you take that job, it means you can't take a full-time job and you have your own rent to make, right? It's generally only full-time or afternoon or after school. And so because of that, it's very, very hard to find after-school nannies. That's one reason we find people who can do after-school and then we train them ourselves. Does this mean that your program is making it possible for people that have lower incomes to be able to actually find a solution for being able to find a nanny? Yeah, it definitely makes having a nanny a lot cheaper. It generally takes off about a third of the cost. Wow. I always say that it makes it more accessible. I never describe this as affordable childcare because the, unfortunately the reality is all childcare is very expensive for a lot of people. And if you're on minimum wage, you cannot yourself earn minimum wage and also pay minimum wage. That is just an impossible maths. So there is a limit to how much you still have to earn to do this. Definitely makes it a lot more accessible to a lot more people. And my dream is that we develop this nanny share network so much that we actually start to be able to pool together these nanny shares in lower income places and we get to be able to serve more and more and more of the population. I think there are some people who you just, it will never make sense the only solution to that is state subsidy. And there are lots of countries that do that, states that have huge state subsidies. Most of Europe has enormous state subsidies on childcare. What the role for government should be in terms of childcare. So you're saying subsidize. That is the only way to make childcare accessible to the whole population. Is there a country yeah. that comes to mind? How does that actually look like? 
answer to these things is always Sweden, right? <laughs> um, so, like, it's, of course, yeah. it's Sweden. Um, yeah. but it's not just Sweden. It's also the other Scandinavian. I mean, it's always yeah. the Scandinavian Norway, country. yeah. Yeah, obviously. I mean, Germany's kind of up there as well. The Netherlands is kind of up there. But in Sweden, you have incredibly generous maternity pay. You also have amazing, wonderful approach to parental leave, which is shared parental leave. So not only can debt take time off, look after their kids and get paid for it, but the key, key, key thing is they have this use it or lose it part of the system. What that means is that let's say the, the mother gets a year and then the dad gets six months or something like this. And if the dad does not take that time, the dad time, then it's not like the mum gets to take it. It's just lost completely. And that is essential. That is an essential component of the system because it means that the dad takes the time. And then you get these knock-on effects where imagine if in the whole of society, imagine if two-thirds of all dads took six months off to be with their baby. Just mm. imagine what society would look like. Imagine the knock-on effects of all the men in this society understanding what it's like to change nappies day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. <laughs> you know, like knock-on effect of that in terms mm. of respect for childcare, respect for children, you know. So it's a, I think it's an incredibly important fundamental plank in equality in Sweden. Looking at the nannies, is there economic benefit for them as well? Aside from the training? Yeah, they get, um, they get paid 25% more. It differs slightly depending on the situation, but in general, they get paid a lot more. Wow. Because yeah. so, it, it, it is more work. And how does Kuro Kids make money? We take a commission per hour. So the parent pays us per hour of care delivered and we take a commission and then out of that we pay for basically all of our expenses. And that was really important to me when I first set up Corey Kids. So the, the more traditional way of doing things would have been to just charge an upfront fee and mm. then that's it. And then kind of have nothing to do with the family. But I thought it was very important that we didn't do that because... I wanted, uh, organizationally and culturally, I wanted us to be obsessed with making the match work and then doing everything we could to save the match and make it even better. So I wanted everyone in the team to come to work every day and think about how can we make their lives easier? What tech can we build? Hmm. You know, how can we make them happier? How can we make our nannies happier today? And that was very important to align our revenue with that feeling. Absolutely. What impact has Coral Kids had so far? It's incredibly heartwarming hearing from our families. Today, there would have been over a thousand of our nannies would have picked up kids from school today. Wow, a thousand? Yeah, a thousand is a lot and not a lot, right? Like if we were Twitter and I said a thousand people, you'd be like, wow, you know, a thousand is nothing. Like you deal in the, in the millions. But childcare isn't a superficial thing. It's not like a pair of shoes. It's incredibly profound. You know, it's about family and humanity and mental health, it just makes such a profound difference to your life. We as a business, we're not going to have billions of users. We'll have a smaller number than that, but we will serve them incredibly deeply and profoundly. So what's the best feedback you've received throughout this journey alongside Kuro Kids? I was speaking at an event just before I spoke, someone came up to me from the audience and she said, thank you so much for founding Corey Kids. Your company has changed my life. Mm. And it's not the first time I've heard that. That's the phrase people use about what we do. And it's just the most incredible thing. And I, I often think even if everything like for some reason stopped tomorrow, <laughs> the amount that we have helped so far, it has already been worth it. And that's, that's a pretty nice feeling. 
Well, that's this week's episode of Getting There. Thank you all for listening to the Getting There podcast. Very much appreciate it. Be sure to visit gettingtherepodcast.com to learn about more leaders solving the world's most pressing problems through our videos, games, blogs, and more. If you are or have a friend who's a social impact leader using scalable technology to find sustainable solutions for world pressing problems, please reach out to my team and I at guest at gettingtherepodcast.com. That is guest at gettingtherepodcast.com. Catch a new episode every Tuesday. If you enjoyed the show and want to spread love back to my team and I, please make sure to subscribe and rate us. Have a wonderful day. And as my grandfather would say, adelante y arriba.